Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Kay, and welcome to this exciting episode of Disruptive CEO Nation, where we're going to head to New Orleans. And you really want to take a listen, no matter where you're at in your business journey, because wherever you start, there's got to be a, a finish at some point. And our guest today is a leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing your business. And her firm, you know, she and her firm have sold over a thousand businesses in almost every vertical and have a remarkable track record for success. So even if it's just learning about things you need to think about to keep your early business, um, you know, stable and firm and sustainable, you need to listen to this. So in addition to being um, featured in Inc. and Forbes and being a keynote speaker and having TV appearances on Fox Business News and CNBC, part of the reason our guest is here today is because she has a new book that we're also going to learn about. Um, so with that, I would like to introduce you to Michelle. Michelle, give everybody all of your full details and the business that you operate. Sure. So I'm a mergers and, Ma mergers and acquisitions master intermediary and one of, I believe, three women that hold that title. So that's pretty prestigious, you know, because when I entered this industry, it's a male-dominated industry. It still is. Um, I'm also a senior business analyst, and I've been in this for a little over 20 years, really specializing in buying, selling, fixing, and growing companies. Uh, so I will buy businesses, flip them like people flip real estate. I've also partnered with business owners, helping them to save their business and build their business into a sellable asset. And your firm has your name on it. So tell everybody the name of your firm. So my firm is Siler Tucker. So it's Siler Tucker and my book is Exit Rich. And, and let's, let's dig into um, Exit Rich. Um, one of the things, and I think you can give us the whole framework, but one of the things that I just have to ask you right out of the gate that you talk about is identifying what type of business you own mm -hmm. and that some people get it wrong. What do, you, what do you mean by that? I found that so interesting and compelling. So there, there are different types of businesses. There's, I think, seven types I, I refer to in the book. And you really need to figure out what type of business you own and what type of business owner are you. And as far as what type of business you own, you know, they can go to Solar Tucker Academy and take the quiz and find out. But, you know, you got to ask yourself, do I, do I own a small little business like a coffee shop, a restaurant, a cafe, a retail store? And that business depends upon me. And if I'm, you know, not in the business, the business is not going to be successful and it's probably not scalable. Um, and, and then also, or do you own a business that's been in business a little bit longer that maybe hands off and doesn't really require much, much attention from the owner? Those businesses are really sellable. I mean, to me, there's not any such thing as hands off business, mm -hmm. but you know, the car washes, the laundromats, the trailer parks, the RV parks, things of that nature are more hands-off. And those businesses are really sellable because investors, buyers want businesses that they don't have to work in every day. And then there's uh, businesses that have been around for decades and has the same owner, has um, employees in place, 
maybe operates on all six P's, all six cylinders, all six P's that we refer to in my book, Exit Rich. Um, and then there's a larger business that, you know, operates maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 million gross revenue, has an EBITDA of over a million dollars, and that's a middle market business. So you just kind of really have to identify. And then there's also the one, I call it the one man show, the one woman show. And this is like, let's say you have an interior decorator and it's just her, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not, if I pull the interior decorator out of the business, there is no business. Let's say that you have a chiropractor and it's only one chiropractor and I go to sell his business, you pull him out of the business, there is no business. You know, and that's the same thing with dental practice, same thing with the MD practice or pediatrician practice or, you know, a real estate agent, right? A real estate broker. So we really try to identify what type of business they own and get them to owning a business that buyers want to buy. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And, and, and I know a lot of um, the entrepreneurs and, and business founders I've talked with, you know, when they get it right, they understand that they need to set up a business that can have a life without them. Right. And um, so, so really great wisdom. You talked about the six P's method. Will you expand on that for our listeners? I will. I will. So my 20 years in the trenches, you know, selling businesses, fixing businesses, growing businesses, I really came up with what I call the six P's, which are the six cylinders. And if a business can operate on all six, then they're going to have a sustainable, scalable, when they're ready, sellable business. So number one is people. You don't build a business, you build people. The people build the business for you. So a lot of business owners have people in their business, but they don't have the right people in the right seats. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure you have the right core competencies in the right seats. And then you have to ask the who question. Who opens the door? Who deals with clients? Who deals with customer service issues? Who deals with logistics, transportation? Who deals with manufacturing, legal issues, environmental issues? The list goes on and on. The key here, Allison, is never put you next to the who. Because <laughs> you want to build a business that runs without you, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you have a name next to all of those who's and it's not you. Because the more that you can work on your business instead of in your business, then the more that you can create a bigger business that works for you rather than you working for it because buyers want to buy a business, not a job. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that, that phrase of working on your business and not in your business um, is, is so critical to so many people. And you can't say it enough because it's so easy for business owners to um, get pulled in and drawn in and, and yeah. focus on this and focus on that, it, which, which they need to, but then they need to know how to be like, okay, I've, I've gone in and I've done it and now I need to retreat and as you said, have the who assigned to deal with it. Right. And business owners, you know, entrepreneurs are not always the best at everything and are not the best operators. And you really, entrepreneurs need to focus on their strengths and hire their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And most successful entrepreneurs you'll see will always hire somebody who's smarter than them in other areas, you know? And I mean, Donald Trump, I hate to use Donald Trump. I'm going to use Donald Trump. He had George Ross, who was his attorney. So Donald Trump might have made the deal, but George Ross made sure it was legal. (laughs) (laughs) So you always got to hire somebody who's smarter than you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So tell us more about the six P's. So we got people. Sure. Now we got, so the second P is product. Now, this is very important too. All my P's are important. <laughs> um, so product, 
is your industry. So you have to ask yourself, Allison, is your industry on the way up or on the way out? Do you have an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? And this question is really relevant right now, especially given the pandemic that we're in, because there are a lot of industries that were thriving before COVID that are now dying. There were industries that were dying before COVID that are now thriving. So ask yourself, do you have an Amazon or a Blockbuster? If you have a Blockbuster, you have to pivot. And you have to ask yourself three transformational questions. So number one, you have to ask yourself, what business are you in? What do you do really, really well? What business should you be in? Because the business that you started in is not necessarily the business that you should be in today. Let me give you an example. Amazon. Amazon started in the book business, selling books, right? So Amazon asked themselves, what business are we in? We're in the book business. What do we do really well? We do fulfillment really well. What business should we be in? We should be in the fulfillment business. Those three transformational questions took Amazon from a bookseller to a multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. And so many people get stuck in their product, like Toys R Us. And Toys R Us has been in business for 70 years. They did nothing to innovate. They did nothing to change. And they ended up going out of business. So a lot of business owners get stuck with the product or industry that they started in. And they forget to ask themselves, you know, what do we do really, really well? What do our customers want? What do they need? How can we transform? Yeah, Michelle, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And this is... Um kind of like my, my hot spot of the, of the week that you're hitting on is, is people and companies and, and business leaders. Um, and I work a lot in the nonprofit space and, you know, so I'm constantly watching people not ask the right questions mm. and therefore they're not developing the right strategies or solutions. So I couldn't agree with you more. And they always say, Allison, the smartest person is the one who asks the right questions, who asks the right questions mm-hmm. and the best questions. So it's, it's, and in our business, I mean, and I don't know if you guys know this, but the business landscape has changed dramatically. Even before COVID, it used to be when I wrote my first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, I did the research and 95% of startups would fail, right? We all know that. Uh-huh. But when I wrote Exit Rich and did the same research, out of 26.7 million companies, I found out that the businesses have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses are going out of business. That's before COVID. And the reason for that, now you hear about the public companies all the time, like Toys R Us, Kmart, Steinmart, Montgomery Ward, yeah. JCPenney, GNC, Pier One. But what you're not hearing about are all the private companies on every street corner in every town and every state that are dropping like flies. And these business owners, unfortunately, are forced to sell for pennies on the dollar, closing their business, or have to file for bankruptcy. So Exit Rich is all about not letting that happen to you. Don't become a statistic. You know? So build a sustainable, scalable business and aim. The reason these people, these businesses go out of business is because they stopped aim. Aim is always innovate and market. Always innovate and market. Toys R Us did nothing to innovate. Blockbuster sold Netflix. They had an opportunity to purchase Netflix. They did nothing. They yeah. sat back and went out of business. Well, and I, and I think as I'm listening to you, Michelle, and you, you, you think about like old traditional brands that have been successful in innovating. And I just have to throw this out because of um, my kids is the, the brand of Barbie is yeah. insane what they did to reinvent and innovate. And Barbie has her own streaming that is on 24 seven and has 
just and 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 takes on tough social issues that you would never think Barbie would be, you know, chatting on. Um, but they've innovated, right? They keep they absolutely did. And they keep marketing and they keep staying relevant in the mind of consumers. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what you have to do. And that's what so many companies stop doing. And here's the bottom line. The reason why business is changing so much is because whoever makes it easiest hey, for the consumer to purchase products and services from them is a, is a company that's winning. Amazon is winning right now because Amazon makes it so easy to purchase products from anywhere in the world and have it delivered in two days. And yeah, hey, I've been a in- bunch of planes. They just bought 12 more planes so they could get it to you quicker. When I was in China, um, and and I've been there a couple times for business, but I remember there was this one time that I was really like feeling homesick, and all of a sudden this bicycle comes up, and it's got the this cardboard box with that Amazon (laughs) smile on the side, and I'm like, okay, I don't feel so far from home any anymore. Yeah. Um, So okay, so we got people, we got product. Uh, So the therapy is processes. And processes are big. It's all about processes. It's all about systems. And a lot of business owners, Allison, don't really think about processes until something happens. Somebody, somebody gets hurt on the manufacturing floor. So, oh, now we need a process for that. <laughs> Customer complains. Oh, now we need a process for that. You know, processes should be designed from the beginning you start your company with the customer experience in mind. Have mm-hmm. you ever watched a movie, The Founder with the McDonald Brothers? I oh, have. Yes. Okay, do you remember the McDonald's back in the 40s? are like, okay, we want to start a fast food restaurant. We want to design a restaurant around the customer experience. Because back, there, back then in the 40s, they had Sonic, like the Sonic type drive-ups, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem with it back then in the 40s is the food was always cold, the order was always wrong, and it took long. It took forever to get the food. So the McDonald's brothers said, what do we want? What do we want our customer experience to be? What do we want the customer, you know, to, to experience when they come to McDonald's? We want to deliver great tasting food that's hot and fast, two minutes or less. How do we do that? How do we design processes with the customer experience in mind? So they went to the empty tennis court. Do you remember that? They took all their employees to the tennis court and they mapped out the process. They raced it, mapped it out again. They were all day mapping out the process to decide. Who takes the order? Who toasts the buns? Who cooks the burger? Who puts the pickles on the buns? And who gives it to the client two minutes or less? Those processes right there is why you can eat at McDonald's in China. You can eat at McDonald's in Singapore. You can eat at McDonald's, Russia, USA, New Zealand, wherever, because of those processes. So many companies design their processes to alienate clients, to upset clients, not to improve the customer experience. So processes must be designed with the customer experience in mind. They must be efficient, productive, and well-documented. I can't even begin to tell you how many companies don't have policy and procedure manuals. They don't have SOP checklist, you know, and their clients are not trained and their employees are not trained on such. So you're not, you want to make sure your processes are intact because this will help your business be sustainable and scalable. Well, and I think, um, you know, to your point, Um, I always talk to company founders about, you know, you run it like a business, you run it like a business and, and younger company founders don't always, you know, they don't always have that experience. And, and I come in and I say, look, your governing documents are important. Your, that, you know, your, your foundation and your, as as you said, your, your SOPs, because if you do want to sell your company, people are going to look at that stuff. It's part of the total package that you've built it correctly. 
but yet, you know, a young entrepreneur is so into chasing, um, I don't want to say chasing the dollar, that is not correct, but, you know, building their mission, building their brand awareness, um, just getting their products to market. And, um, and so I think it's important that they hear young entrepreneurs and, and business builders hear this stuff from, unfortunately, those of us that are a little bit more seasoned and have been around the block, but, you know, really great advice. Um, so uh, I don't want to take all our time just on your six P's and we want to leave people hungry for more to, to go to the book and, and pick them out. Um, let's switch to some of the, um, again, just the generic advice that when you, when you, come and you meet a company and you say, okay, are you, I always talk about a readiness factor and you probably do the same. Like what's your readiness to, to be sold and, and have your exit strategy? Any insights that you would give to us? Absolutely. So I do, I do look at the six P's, all of them, you know, when I go to see if a company's ready, I also go through what I call a seller sanity check. Because a lot of sellers will walk away from the closing table because they have seller's remorse. <laughs> so I want to make sure that my sellers are ready to sell. So I walk them through this process to figure out, well, gosh, after you sell, what do you do next? I really help them identify their beginning strategy so they're comfortable with their exit strategy. Because if business owner doesn't know what they're going to do next, then they're not comfortable and it's very difficult to, to, you know, most business owners are comfortable doing the day-to-day, -day, doing everything they do all day long, right? Mm -hmm. They've ran this business for 20 years. The other side of that is extremely uncomfortable for them. So I really help my clients figure out, well, what are you going to do next? Because well, it might be retirement. It might be like I sold this manufacturing business and it was a husband and wife. And they kept backing out of all the deals and they kept not signing the LOIs. And I'm like, this is a good deal. And they're like, well, we don't know what we're going to do next. And so finally they called me up and I said, okay, we finally figured it out. We have always been passionate about bed and breakfasts. We're going to take the proceeds of the sale and we're going to go buy or start a B&B &B back in Vermont. And I said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get another LOI. And we ended up closing that business within three months after they decided what they're going to do next. So it's really important for business owners to get crystal clear with what they're going to do after sell the business. Plus, we got to get crystal clear with what they need from the sale. Because just because, you know, a lot of business owners will come to me and say, Michelle, I need 20, I want to sell my business for $20 million. The business might be worth a million dollars. You know, just because you need $20 million to retire on doesn't mean that's what the buyer is going to give you. So I get, I get really clear with the, the sellers to map that out. How much money do you need? How much do you need a month? How much do you need a year? You know, can we put it in some different trust so that we can decrease taxes, you know, decrease capital gains and different strategies and things like that? So, and I also take them through, what's the most important thing for you in selling your business? Is it the money? Is it making sure your employees are taken care of? Is it making sure that your customers are taken care of? Is it making sure that somebody grows your legacy? So I really got to take them through the seller sanity check to make sure that number one, they can make enough to walk away. Number two, they're comfortable with what they're going to do next. 
And we know what type of buyer we're looking for now because there's five types of buyers, but we know what type of buyer we're looking for now and we know what their priorities are. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I, I think, um, you know, the piece I want to ask you next is, you know, about valuation. So we know that a lot of people who are, have an early stage business, um, they tend to only really want to certify their valuation if they think they're going to get investors, you know, they're doing a, um, you know, their, their seed round funding or their, you know, what they're doing. And then you've got this period where, um, Maybe people aren't getting that third-party valuation. And clearly when they, they are come to you, they mm-hmm. have to do it to, as you just described. But um, what's kind of your advice or thought around that independent valuation? Well, we do valuations. I've done thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of valuations. And, you know, I love it when, have you ever watched Shark Tank? Yes. <laughs> I love it on Shark Tank when I'm like, your valuation is way too high. Your valuation is way too high. Your valuation is way too high, right? Yes. It's a common theme on Shark Tank because their valuations are always way too high. You know, they're not even in revenue and giving themselves a $3 million valuation. So, you know, people really got to understand valuations. And yes, there are synergies. We didn't get through the six Ps, but there are synergies, especially in proprietary that people will pay a lot of money for. Like Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging money. So there are ways to sell businesses that are not in revenue as long as you got a synergy that somebody's willing to pay for. You know, Facebook, WhatsApp had a billion users and Facebook knew that they could monetize that. But when these people go on Shark Tank, they're completely clueless of valuations and they lose an investor because their valuations are unrealistic. Same reason that eight out of 10 businesses don't sell is because sellers are unrealistic on their valuations and buyers are like, I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying you $20 million when your EBIT is 100,000, you know? <laughs> so I do valuations and I educate sellers what, how we come up with valuations and what buyers pay for. And if you wanna sell a business for $20 million, you better have the EBITDA earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization to support that price. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think, Michelle, um, I want to encourage our listeners, um, tell them what your corporate website is and tell them what the website is for the book. Sure. So my corporate website is SilerTucker.com. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes, right? I will. So it's SilerTucker.com. And then my book website, we're in pre-sales right now. So you can buy the book on Amazon. However, if you go to exitrichbook.com, you can get the book for $24.79, which is less than Amazon. And that includes shipping the hardcover to your doorstep. So you can immediately order the book, read the book, because we'll send you the digital download. When the book comes out, we'll send it to your doorstep. Plus you get a lifetime membership into the book club, Exit Rich Book Club. And there we have me doing video training of all these different strategies and techniques and valuations. And, but what we have that's really important, Allison, is documentation. Because a lot of business owners are like, Michelle, I've never seen an organizational chart before. Or I've never seen an employee handbook. I don't even know what a letter of intent looks like or a purchase agreement or due diligence checklist or closing docs. So all the documentation that you need, and we're always adding more documents, is there for your review, but also for your download. No, I, I think that's so wonderful. And I can't express to early stage entrepreneurs how important it is to 
have an understanding of everything that you just mentioned. And, and maybe they're not at the point where they're, they need those documents or that they have the, the bench strength to get all of their infrastructure, their processes and procedures, but, but they need to have it on their, their six months down the line, 12 months. They need to get their house in order um, okay. once they get off and running. And so I encourage my listeners to not just, you know, hear the title exit rich and think this isn't for me because I, I think Michelle, it's for anybody who operates a business at whatever stage. Is that correct? It absolutely is because <laughs> exit rich is not just about selling your business. It's about staying in business because again, 70% of business owners are going out of business and that's before COVID. So it's really about staying in business it's about building a business that works for you rather than you working for it. And it's about building a business that's scalable. And when you're ready, sellable, because it's Steve Forbes who endorsed Exit Rich says the eight out of 10 businesses don't sell. Why do you think that is? That's because business owners never plan for the sell of their business. And even if you don't want to sell your business one day, that's okay. But you'll build a, pro a sustainable, scalable, profitable business along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Michelle, I so appreciate the gift of your time and, uh, yes. and I thank you for joining us. Um, I would like to encourage our listeners, if Michelle said something that really resonated with you, or if you know somebody who needs to hear her wisdom, use her company services, or just pick up a copy of the book, um, you know, please refer this podcast episode to them. If there is an intelligent uh, business owner, entrepreneur, thought leader that you think I should be speaking with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. And Michelle, thank you again for being a guest and sharing so much insights with us. Thank you, Allison. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.